You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio. Honest conversations, love notes, and strategies to grow a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I'm Megan Hale, integrity expert, bringing mindset and energetic wisdom to help you show up braver, go all in, and expand into your fullest expression. Let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio, the place to be for mindset and energetic wisdom to grow a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I am your host, Megan Hale, and if you're just now joining us, first off, welcome. We have been diving deep into money so far this season, partly because it's been one of the biggest areas of deep healing for me that I've never publicly shared until now but also because when it comes to creating a business that's a powerful agent of change in this world, having an empowered relationship with money is a big component in supporting you and your vision so you can do more good. So, so far, we have been laying a strong foundation for money mindset, but also getting into the nit and gritty of our personal relationship dynamics with money because it's been this piece in particular that has been the real deal shift for me. Now, I have a powerful episode for you today as we're diving into perhaps one of the most potent layers of shifting into a different relationship with money once and for all. And this is so big, you guys, so big in fact. I considered only leaving this content as part of the upcoming Wild and Holy Money Love course, but I feel like this topic is just so important that I wanted it to be out in the world so you can at least start putting a few of these pieces together on your own. Now, before we get into this episode, though, I do have a few announcements. You might notice that the sound quality is a little bit different in this episode. Maybe there's a little bit more of an echo. That's because almost all of our belongings have been packed up in boxes and put on a big crate truck and shipped to Omaha ahead of us. And we're still sitting here waiting for our house to sell, which, oh my gosh, you guys, has just been a whole thing. I don't even know. We've had 35 showings at this point. And as you could imagine, like with two dogs and two young kids, I'm kind of over the showing of the house portion of this process. (laughs) I'm just ready to get to the selling of the house part of this process. But that's why you're hearing different sound because there's not as much furniture in this room to actually absorb the echo. So hang with me. I promise you it will not be like this forever. But you might also notice that I added episode numbers to all of our season two episodes. Yay! I wanted it to be easier for all of us to refer to specific episodes, especially if you leave a review for the show and want to point people to your faves, which by all means, I love when you reference specific episodes in your reviews and definitely when you share specific episodes on social. Second, I now have Wild and Holy Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. So you can now listen on your fave device and they'll also all be uploaded on my site, which is megan-hale.com. You might also notice that this season show notes are super light and I am taking a cue from Rob Bell on that one, who is my podcast mentor on keeping things incredibly simple and streamlined. So any links I mentioned on the show are always listed there for your convenience as well as any upcoming events. Lastly, you guys, 
I have been teasing this wild and holy money love course now for weeks. You have been asking for it and I've been creating it. And the time has finally come to open up the cart, get this party started. And I'm kicking it off today with a podcast only launch before this baby goes live in the world next week. But the thing that is making this incredibly special is that the first 10 people who purchase will get a free 30 minute money love consultation call with me, which is all about implementing the five love languages of money, which we talked about in episode 33 into your daily life. So you can start shifting the way you are relating to money now. Okay. I know how transformative and healing it is to feel more empowered around money, to feel like money wants to support you, to unapologetically pursue more money and do it in a way that feels good and grounded. I also know the way it changes everything in your business from pricing to marketing, to managing, to stewarding, to feeling smart and powerful in the decisions you are making with your money and most definitely unapologetically welcoming more money into your life. So the wild and holy money love course is four weeks of 20 exercises to shift into a more expansive relationship with money to intentionally create a relationship that feels how you want it to feel. I will be bringing the mindset work, energetic work, and yes, oh yes, friends, the relationship work to help you shift into something different. And by different, I mean more. (laughs) Meaningful money grounded in integrity that supports your biggest dreams as you step into more earning. So if you are in, which I know a few of you already are because you've been messaging me about this, you can find out all the details at wildandholymoney.com. We'll have four weeks of work together, an open hot seat coaching call each week, open office hours each week, and 20 unique, powerful exercises that will shift so much when it comes to money. If you're the first 10 to join, you get a free 30-minute call with me to craft your personal love story, implementing the five love languages of money. Plus you'll have my exquisite ear on your current personal relationship with money, where I'll be pulling out the biggest things that need to shift so you can start stepping into more earning because this is so key, you guys, so key. We will officially get started June 25th with all of our course assignments, but your fast action money love consultation call can be booked right away with me. Plus... I'm going to be doing a free giveaway for a money clearing with my most favorite energetic money coach, with, which is like a $275 value. So if you want to be entered to win and have a chance at getting a free call with me, make sure you sign up at wildandholymoney.com and let's do this. As promised, it's under 450 with a two-part payment plan. This is the deepest money course I've ever seen that goes far beyond just money mindset, friends. We are going all the way to the roots of love. And I am so dang excited about this. So wildandholymoney.com, if you're in, I will see you there. All right, we're getting into today's episode and this one is so big. So I have mentioned the concept of transgenerational money stories in several of our episodes now, especially in regards to how I felt about debt, right? And I want to first start by laying out the concept of transgenerational stories because these don't just impact the way we feel about money. They impact almost 
everything. Okay. So we're going to go back to relationships for a moment because this is where all the meat and potatoes are, right? I want you to imagine that your parents learned how to parent you from their parents and their parents learned to parent them from their parents. Are you kind of picking up what I'm putting down here? Yes. So in every single family, some things get handed down that worked. Some things get tossed out that didn't. Some things, and this is important, are far overcorrected when things created harm, okay? And some things that caused harm got passed down anyway, even though there was a big emphasis and promise that they never would. And this last one is important too, okay? So I want you to imagine, like when we're talking about transgenerational stories, we're talking about patterns and beliefs that get handed down from generation to generation to generation, okay? That's what we're talking about here. So understanding your transgenerational patterns, stories, beliefs, okay, it encompasses all of those things, is critical to not just your own healing, but also your forward progress, okay? So we will continue to bring things into our future, even if we don't want to, <laughs> if we don't actually heal the things that have hurt, okay? And healing is never about just understanding yourself but also gaining perspective on all the dynamics that went into creating that hurt in the first place. Okay. So obviously this can get very nuanced, which is why working through family stuff is an ongoing process. There will always be more to unpack as we find ourselves in new layers of our own lives. And this is just part of being an awakened person, right? But when it comes to money, what I have found is that if you do your due diligence on the transgenerational family stuff, you can free yourself from about 98% of its impact, okay? There will likely always be that 2% you need to continue working through as you step into more and more levels of earning, which in my experience always comes back to creating a sense of safety, okay? But this is why I think doing transgenerational money work is so because when you can start to separate your story from your family's story, you take your power back. You get to choose what's yours and what's not. And from this place, you get to write a new beginning. This freedom, though, does not come free. <laughs> it comes from introspection, challenging what you know, and especially challenging what you've been taught to believe and digging deeper, which we're going to start doing today. Are you ready? Okay, let's do this. So I want to start by first going back to the five love languages of money because there's a lot of gold to explore here. So if you missed episode 33, most definitely go back and listen as I share the story of how the five love languages helped me heal the relationship with my dad and how I then applied that wisdom to healing my relationship with money, okay? Or at least one layer of it. The thing I didn't share in that episode, though, is there was a whole other process that went into that healing, okay? Understanding my love languages was huge. Understanding my dad's love languages was huge. 
it was here that I started to see him from a completely different perspective. It provided context, right? But context alone was not enough to help me forgive. And forgiveness is like the thing that truly sets us free, right? We close a chapter, we find closure, we're able to move on. And from this place, we energetically free up all the things we had previously associated with pain, okay? So to forgive, we need compassion. And to cultivate compassion, we need to create meaning, okay? So, Understanding our love languages is surface. They're the thing that help us communicate what we need. Okay. Meaning on the other hand is sort of like being able to communicate why we need it, why it's important for love to be shown that way, how we came to desire love this way, why it hurts so much when we don't receive it that way. Okay. Meaning is what anchors everything. Meaning allows us to see our people more deeply and also allows ourselves to be more deeply seen. Okay. Are you with me? Okay. So to truly heal the relationship dynamics with my dad, I not only needed to understand the context in which he was showing me love, his love languages, right? But I needed to fully see him to understand why he showed love in that way because it was only here that I could forgive him and release him from being who I needed him to be, but instead start celebrating him for who he really was. Okay. Now I've shared this story before <laughs> and I want to be clear with something up front. When I say released him from who I needed him to be, that doesn't mean that I released him from doing his part of the work on our relationship. Okay. I still held firm boundaries on what I needed. What it means is that I offered him a lot of grace that this didn't come easy to him and likely never would, just like his preferred love languages don't come easy to me, okay? So what this did is it helped me check my expectations to keep them realistic and grounded. And instead of needing to change someone to be exactly who I needed, in order to feel loved, I allowed him to be who he was and learn to more deeply love that person. Okay. And this is a big thing in creating healthy relationships, which is like a totally different conversation. And there's a lot of nuance to this. Okay. But this, this component right here is what allows our people to feel seen, heard, loved, understood, acknowledged, and for us to feel that way as well. Okay. But the thing that helped me get to the grace that I was able to offer him through all the years of pain and disappointment was the process we're going to talk about today, which is diving into transgenerational stories. And here's what I mean. And then I'll relate it to money. Okay. So to more deeply understand my dad, I had to go back and look for the things he was taught about love. Like, how did my dad cultivate his love languages in the first place? What was he taught about love? How was he shown love? Who were his main influences? And how was that trickling down to me? So the reason these questions were so important 
is that it helped me expand my perspective, get more objective, and put things into deeper context, okay? We all have primary influences on what we are taught about love. Some good, some not so good, but the things we were taught have such a big influence on how we relate to ourselves and most definitely other people. So if you were to look at your own family tree, okay, and I want you to consider you, your parents, step-parents, their parents, their step-parents, okay, and let's just focus on two generations deep for now. I want you to start thinking about what your grandparents taught your parents about love that had an influence on how they loved you, okay? This is a very big concept, <laughs> which is why I was a little hesitant bringing it to the podcast because there's a lot to explore and I want to do this justice, but I want to give you a little snippet of my story to start putting these things in context for you, okay? So in episode 33, I laid out my dad's primary love languages, acts of service, right? That means for most of my childhood, my dad was showing me love by doing things for me which included prioritizing work to financially provide for me while also doing chore-like things for me that impacted my well-being, like washing my car when I was a teenager or picking up my room that I not notoriously kept a mess, right? Which, P.S., I'm a total neat freak now, thanks to his guidance, <laughs> but I still won't wash my car. <laughs> so to me, these things just seemed like ways for him to stay busy and not have to engage with me not have to spend quality time with me, right? And as a quality time and words of affirmation person, my love tank when it came to my dad felt empty a lot of the time, okay? Now, when I was able to see these actions as acts of love, so much changed. But the thing that brought all of this full circle was seeing the way my dad's parents had loved him, okay? This is where it gets good. Now, my dad had four big people who were of influence to him, his parents and also his paternal grandparents, okay? Now, when my dad was eight, he was sent to live with his grandparents. So for the most part, his relationships with them became much closer than his relationship with his parents, which still left some dynamics for him to work through later, right? But back to love languages. So my dad's parents were hard workers, so were his grandparents. It seemed as though hard work, which this one is important when it comes to money, friends, was a huge way he was shown love as a child. The only person in his life who spoke to him in any other love language was his paternal grandmother, which was my great-grandmother, who spoke to him with words of affirmation, okay? For the most part, he was taught the harder you work, the more valuable you were. The more you did, the more opportunity you had to be thanked, acknowledged, receive love. Okay? Now, this is why this is so important. When I started to see that quality time was nowhere in his love language history, it made it a lot easier for me to offer him grace because it was like completely non-existent as a model for him growing up, right? It was almost like 
getting mad at him for always working when that's all he knew how to do was like getting mad at the sun for rising and setting because that's what the sun knows how to do, right? So when I finally was able to connect those dots to give it deeper context, that's when a lot more grace and compassion came in where I realized I'm asking something of him he doesn't know how to do, okay? But then I went one layer deeper, which I'll talk about in just a second, okay? So how does this relate to money? Just like we have our big influences when it comes to love, we also have the same influences when it comes to money. And a lot of these things, you guys, oh, are so intertwined. That's why I find it so interesting and fascinating to dive into, okay? So if you were to look at your own family tree, okay, seriously draw this out. This is going to be part of your homework from this episode, just P.S., <laughs> you will see the people who have been the most influential for you. Okay. So for me, I've drawn out my family tree for lots of different exercises, but one of the most potent ones has been around money. And for me, all of my grandparents were dead within my first year of life, except for my paternal grandmother. Okay. So my key influences when it came to both money and love and I'm talking about direct influence that I had personal connection with were my parents and her, my grandmother. Okay. And as I've mentioned on several episodes, my grandmother was a huge influence for me when it came to money. Not only was she financially independent her whole life, but she was smart with money. She knew how to invest it and how to save it. And she also knew how to not spend it, okay? Like she was notorious for being extremely cautious with her spending to the point that she ended up having a great deal of money but never enjoyed it. I, I don't have any single memory of her enjoying her money once, okay? Now my parents, on the other hand, never had a lot of money. They provided for a family of six on mostly one salary, they went through financial hardships, through job changes that led to clearing out the savings that they were able to stash away. Debt was common growing up, something my grandmother could never understand, okay? And because of these stark differences in the financial landscape of my grandmother and my parents, it created conflict quite regularly between them, which I was exposed to growing up, okay? So when I was a little girl, I received very clear messages that debt was wrong and irresponsible. That hard work is part of earning your way. That money is something that shouldn't be talked about. And if you want more money, you need to work more. Okay? So my friends, these are the messages. So I want you to imagine <laughs> that you're now an entrepreneur who equates hard work with being more deserving, who equates more money to more work, who equates talking about money as taboo, and going into debt not being an option unless you want to feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, okay? <laughs> is that hard for you to imagine? <laughs> now, I want you to take a quick moment to reflect on the transgenerational money stories that have been passed down to you. And I want you to really clarify them. Like, pause this episode if you need to. Write them out. What have you been taught to believe about money? And more importantly, how are they shaping the way you live, work, and lead in your business? Okay? 
Here's a few of the questions I've asked myself. Do you shy away from taking big financial risks? Do you keep your money stuff to yourself? Do you believe you have to work hard to earn good money? Do you believe you need to work more to earn more? (laughs) How are your current money beliefs shaping how you work? Okay, you got that part? Awesome. Now, here's where we get to do our transgenerational work. I want you to go back two generations to your grandparents, okay? From what you know, and definitely seek out more information if you're able, okay? What life experiences shaped their beliefs around money? Because I can guarantee you the beliefs they held or still hold, they're still living, are related to three unique layers. The first, their personal life experiences. The second, the financial climate during their upbringing. This is important. And third, the beliefs their parents held about money that trickled down to them. Okay? Now, most of us are not going to have access to our great-grandparents' beliefs around money, but if your grandparents are still living, you can surely ask them what their parents, who are your great-grandparents, taught them, okay? The thing a lot of us hopefully do have access to, though, is our grandparents' personal life experiences, and obviously, we will also know a little something about the financial climate that was present when they were growing up, okay? And let's start here first. So my grandmother was born in the era of the Great Depression when banks literally closed and went bankrupt and people lost everything, okay? As you could imagine, losing your life savings can be a traumatic experience or at the very least have the capacity to be traumatic, right? So my grandmother... Being from this era was raised to be extremely cautious with her money and even more cautious with how she invested it, okay? You saved money and saved money and then saved some more just in case there was another crash, okay? And when it came to debt, you didn't buy things you didn't have the money for because that's partly what created the Great Depression to begin with, okay? So, or at least that's how my grandmother saw it, right? This is how she created a sense of safety for herself. And this is so important. Okay. When it came to her personal life experiences, her mother died when she was really young. She was five and she was sent to go live with her grandmother who resented having to raise her. Okay. But there was nobody else to raise my grandmother. And she grew up learning to keep quiet stay small, ask for a little, and do as much as humanly possible for yourself, okay? Need nothing from no one. I know y'all have heard this in some of the prior episodes. Okay, this stuff is so cool and fascinating to me. So she grew up this way, not receiving a whole lot of warmth, a whole lot of love growing up, which there's some love language context for you, right? but also some money love language context for you too. And there was a coldness about her for the grand majority of her life. There was a, this barrier, this wall that she kept up towards the people she loved. There was not a lot of vulnerability with her until in her later years that took a whole lot of um, work on my part to build um, more connection with her, right? It did not come easy to her. 
And as she grew up, I think it's quite easy for us to understand that she learned to become as independent as possible, to not have to ask anyone for anything. And what's the most powerful way you can do that as a woman? In her eyes, it was money. Okay. So because of her personal life experiences and because of the financial climate in which she was raised, my grandmother was very determined to be financially independent and safe. Okay. So why is all this information important? Because for me, my grandmother had her own personal reasons for being cautious around debt, for being cautious around how she spent money, saved it, invested all of the things, right? That helped her create a sense of safety for herself. But just like we develop ways to get our needs met when we were young, that don't necessarily service as we become adults. It's the same thing when we live by our transgenerational money stories. So many of them often existed to keep our people safe, but they no longer function in that same way today. Are you with me? Okay, why is this? First of all, the financial climate is way different, right? It's always shifting with each generation. And second, your life experiences are way different, right? And paradigms that don't support a healthier relationship with money, they'll keep you more than just safe. They can keep you stuck, right? So when I started to see the bigger picture for why my grandmother related to money the way that she did, it did a few things. First, it offered me compassion for her and her experiences, right? Like she had, she had a rough childhood. There was not a whole, whole lot of love and warmth. And it not only helped me see the way that she related to my dad that trickled down to me, but it also helped me see the way she related to money that also trickled down to me, okay? It also offered me gratitude that she found a way to create a sense of safety for herself. But that also came with a sadness, that she had to find safety in that way. There was some regret that I felt for her that she spent her whole life working so hard and enjoying life so little, right? But out of all of those things also came a freedom to let that be her truth and her experiences, but they don't necessarily have to be mine, okay? I don't have to save all my money unless that brings me immense joy. (laughs) I don't have to invest all my money cautiously when I personally enjoy taking moderate risks, right? I don't have to pay off my house in five years like she did (laughs) if that doesn't bring me joy, right? The point being, I get to make the rules that fit my desired life experiences. And so do you. Okay. Part of my transgenerational money story has been around creating safety for myself to take risks, to even be an entrepreneur to begin with, right? To pursue money, to talk about money, to feel good about money, to earn money, to love money, to shift how I feel about debt, to not find my sense of worth in money, all kinds of things, right? To really tease apart what's mine and what's not so I can create my own story, right? There is so much to explore here. Okay. I'm 
hoping that you are seeing all, all the different layers that go into this because this is just one person of influence, right? And to really do your due diligence here means to do this process for every person of influence for yourself, right? Just big hitters. Start there because it starts to open up so much more objectivity. And from that objective place, we can start to unhook through compassion. We can start to forgive the way these stories have trickled down to us. We can start to find the freedom to write our own stories and make our own rule, all of the things, right? <clears throat> so what I think would be a really great start for you to do is to do this exercise for yourself, to write out your own family tree, to write out the money beliefs of each of your grandparents, if you're able or if it's relevant, really seek to understand the context of their beliefs and behaviors around money and do it for love languages too, because you might understand your family like from a whole new perspective. In fact, I can guarantee you that. Then what I want you to do is do this exercise for your parents. Okay. And if you were raised by people other than your parents, you'll want to focus on those who raised you as they likely had the most influence on you when it comes from a love language perspective and especially a money love language perspective. Okay. And I want you to put their behaviors and patterns into context using these three questions. What were their personal life experiences? Okay. That attributed to their money beliefs. Okay. What was the financial climate like? during their upbringing and what beliefs did their parents hold about money that trickled down to them. Okay. This one is going to be probably most relevant to your parents, unless you have access to your grandparents who are still living and you can ask them what their parents thought about money. Okay. And if you have access to that, it's such rich information to collect and write down. Okay. Then, <laughs> and this is the most important part. I want you to ask yourself, out of all of these beliefs, what parts make sense to keep for yourself? What parts need to be updated to modern day context? This is always so helpful. And what parts of your own personal life need to be challenged for truth? Okay, and here's what I mean by this. We all have money memories, okay? And for me, I remember sharing this money memory with you guys on the show when I shared of, uh, about me being five years old, coming home and seeing my mom in the front room crying. And my little mind at that time made up the story that she was crying about money and that she had spent too much and my dad was mad and all of these things, all these nuance that I had created for myself, right? And this money in particular, this money memory in particular, really shaped my avoidance of spending too much, right? Of being irresponsible with money because it would cause conflict, okay? And so what I had to do through this transgenerational money work, by gaining that objectivity, I had to go back to that money memory and ask myself how much of that was true and how much of that was the story I made. Okay, so unhooking from the stories that you've told yourself it happens in so many layers, right? So the unhooking process, though, is such a powerful exercise in reclaiming your power over your own money story, okay? So I feel like we're just getting started in so many <laughs> deep layers here, which gets me really excited. But I also want to have a 
deeper container for us to do those work together, which is why I want to invite you to come do the money love course with me. Okay. So for now, I want you to first create your own family tree. Look at the money stories. Each person of influence has had that has shaped you. Give it context and give yourself permission to let that be their truth that shaped their lives in relationship to money while also knowing it doesn't have to be yours. Okay. You're allowed to write a new story. You're allowed and safe to step into more money. You're allowed and safe to feel good about money and pursue more of it in your life. And if you want my expertise and support, I would love to dive into all the nuance that goes into money inside the money love course. We are getting started June 25th, but if you are one of the first 10 people who join, you're going to get a free money love language call with me. Plus get entered to win a free money frequency clearing, which is a $275 value. You do not want to miss out on that. You can find out all the things at wildholymoney.com. And until next time, friends, please message me and DM me <laughs> all of the ahas that come up from doing this exercise. It is so powerful and transformative, but also until next time, here's to the courage to show up braver, whole heart, full self, all in. We got this.